This episode is presented by the Pacific Wine and Food Classic, returning September 30th to Newport Beach, California. You can save 25% off your tickets right now by using the discount code SEATS at checkout. That's a capital C E A T S. Once again, that is SEATS at checkout for 25% off your tickets to the 2023 Pacific Wine and Food Classic. This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to the first ever episode 120 of the Best Seats podcast. Oh, it feels good to be back. It has been a month long break, a very much needed one, which we will touch on in a second on why that break was needed. But as always, this is the only podcast that brings you interviews with some of the most talented people in and around the hospitality community from right here in Orange County to the rest of Southern California and beyond each and every episode. As always, I'm your host, Crawford McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. Thank you to my friend, Allie Coyle, who provides the music for the show. You can find more of her work at AllieCoyleMusic.com. As a reminder, if you enjoy the show and you're listening on free feeds, please be sure to leave a rating and or a review. Um, it does help a lot. I hate asking for that stuff, but these days, everything is about playing with the algorithm and whether you're listening on Spotify or anything else, it does help other people discover the show. You can go to TheBestSeats.com for more content just like this. Check out the blog. Check out some recent photography. Check out the merch store, which should be getting some uh, some new updates soon for summertime. It's a little hotter now, finally, here in Orange County. Depending on where you're at, it might be still nice. It's summertime all over. So we got some new stuff coming. But don't forget that the best experience is only found on patreon.com forward slash the best seats, where we have exclusive early ad free listening to each and every episode, bonus episodes where they are available. There's a handful. The last one did not. And again, I'll touch on that in a second with some housekeeping. And this one does not. Um, but all episodes moving forward will. Oh my gosh, it is good to be back. All right, so first and foremost, we took a month off from the podcast uh, for a couple of different reasons. Number one, there were a massive amount of events. Number two, a lot of the people that I did have scheduled, unfortunately, had some very deep personal issues and they had to reschedule. I wasn't able to get guests back on. I'm also launching photography and videography services for the best seats. And I had some obligations for that that took up the time. And I really needed to focus on getting that kind of business model set as we move into summertime, as we approach kind of those fall events that are starting to come up. Um, if you guys are listening on free feeds, you'll hear some advertisements for those. If you're on Patreon, you'll still get information on those because you have exclusive discount codes, etc. Um, but we are back and we're back in a very, very interesting way. Um, there is obviously, if you're here in Orange County, you're familiar with the Orange County Restaurant Association, um, run by Pam Waite, who's been on the show before. They have a separate brand that they have launched called tacotuesday.com. It is all about featuring Taco Tuesday and tacos and kind of that side of culture, you know, out going to get margaritas with the friends, things like that. They recently launched the podcast and they've asked me a handful of times now to come on and be a guest host. Um, that podcast is found over on YouTube. You can go kind of find that yourself. But for this episode, when I sat down with this guest, um, I asked for the audio of it. So number one, because it's a very, very cool guest. The guest for this episode is Stan Frazier. Now, Stan Frazier is the co-owner of Sergeant Pepperoni's um, original pizza. They've got Newport Beach locations, Irvine and Elisa Viejo, and they're actively looking for more. But if you're familiar with that name, he's also the co-founder of the band Sugar Ray. He served as their producer on their tracks. Um, he's done producing of tracks for Dirty Heads, Ashley Simpson. He was the lead writer for the majority of Sugar Ray's tracks, their drummer. He has also starred on the BBC culinary show uh, Chef Race, which he ended up winning in an amazing story, which you will hear on this podcast. The reason that I wanted to share this audio from the Taco Tuesday podcast, which again, when this episode first ends and this intro's over, um, Corey, who is one of the, the hosts, kind of the lead host of it, you'll hear him kind of intro that audio. So just bear with it for the first couple of minutes, because again, this is originally from the Taco Tuesday podcast, but I end up doing most of the interviewing 
And it's just a really cool story. Stan, he started talking and he started telling stories. And I was going to try to reach out to Sergeant Pepperonis anyway. So I figured this is a great way to do it. Um, like I said, I do the vast majority of the interviewing. So once we really get off the ground and get rolling, it's kind of not that much different from a Best Seats podcast. The only difference being there is no bonus episode for this one. So Patreon, I do apologize, but you have something special coming in the works as well. Another episode that is going to be exclusive to Patreon, also from the Taco Tuesday podcast, but a very, very, very cool guest, a legendary person up from L.A., which is only going to be on Patreon. So anybody on free feeds, sorry, but you can go check out Patreon in the meantime. Um, again, a little bit of a different format, but once we get rolling, it's basically a best seats podcast. Um, but yeah, just a really awesome story. I mean, sitting down with a legendary, you know, a, everybody knows Sugar Ray. Like this is a big time band. And then to hear what Stan is doing with Sergeant Pepperonis also, if you're in the Orange County area, is really awesome. And there's a slew of pizza episodes coming up. So this is kind of kicking off a fun little trend. But it's really good to be back. I'm sorry for the delay, everybody. Again, the one man band that is the best seats had to lay down some stuff. But now it is time to jump back in with the 120th episode featuring the co-founder of the band Sugar Ray and co-owner of Sgt. Pepperoni's original pizza, Stan Frazier. Enjoy. Well, it's time for a little commercial. Yeah. There's a handful of things in life that I know that I'm good at. Running a successful podcast, for one, a website, photography, menu consulting, etc. But one of the things where I need help is my gardening, specifically culinary gardening. It's one thing to have a nice succulent or a pretty plant to look at, but there's nothing like growing your own food, herbs, and more. That's why I turn to my friend and friend of the Best Seeds podcast, Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potage, for all things culinary gardening. She's an expert through and through who's worked with some of the best chefs and restaurants here in Orange County. Just see the work that she did up at the amazing Poppy and Seed in Anaheim, or some of the work she's doing with chefs like Zach Scher over at the Bellow Chef's Table. She's talented, witty, incredibly smart, and a consummate professional through and through. Whether you're running a restaurant program, a craft cocktail program, or you just want to start growing some great food at home, she has everything you need and more. So to get more information, set up a consultation, or just to see some of the things that she's done in the past, check out heirloompotage.com for more information. Happy Taco Tuesday, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the TacoTuesday.com podcast. It's uh, me and Crawford of The Best Seats back at it again. Uh, yeah, today we got Stan Frazier. He's the co-founder of the band Sugar Ray and the owner and founder of Sergeant Pepperoni's Pizza. Welcome to the show, man. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm stoked to be here. Uh, you know, one of our stores of Sergeant Pepperoni's is right up the street in Aliso Viejo, so I just picked up some uh, some pizzas and headed down uh, Cabot Road, and here I am. Right on. I mean, pizza's one of those things. You know, this is the Taco Tuesday podcast, and we talk about tacos and all the episodes, and anybody who's watched it sees the amount of tacos we've attempted to eat on camera, but People kind of ask, oh, why pizza? But pizza is kind of synonymous in my mind with tacos. It's one of those ever-beloved foods. How did you kind of get with Sergeant Pepperoni's? For sure, and I agree with you on that. You know, tacos, pizza, burgers, that whole thing. It's like the holy trinity. Um, so, you know, my story, you know, people kind of know me from from Sugar Ray and, and that, you know, I was in the band. I was a founding member. I was a primary songwriter, wrote all the big hits, Um and, you know, in 2012, you know, we, we had a really long run. I mean, we got to open for the Rolling Stones, you know, Kiss and, you know, Sex Pistols. I mean, we had a dream career. I mean, it didn't come easy. You know, we, we got like, you know, the door slammed in our face 150 million times, you know, but all of our parents were saying like, get a real job, you know, and like it, it was hard, you know, I'm not going to lie that 10,000 hours thing is like a real, real thing. And so anyhow, um, we had a great run, you know, it was four friends from high school, basically kind of taking on the world. And, and uh, we had a great run. Our first hit was uh, in 1997, you know, it was, uh, it was called Fly. You guys probably, you guys are old enough to kind of remember that stuff. 100%. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, you know, it took off from then. So from 1997 till about 2010, we were pretty, pretty jamming. I mean, we did a lot of the things that we set out to do. I mean, we played at Dodger Stadium. That's something that we bucket list stuff. And 
like I said, you know, open for the Stones and, and whatnot. So uh, in 2010, 11, 12, it started all kind of like, kind of stop and go downhill a little bit. And we were all kind of just going, what are we doing, you know? And so the band was kind of, uh, you know, having some internal problems as as bands do. It's like having four wives, not just one, because you're married to, <laughs> you're married to like these guys 24-7, 365. So uh, you know, in 2012, I just made a choice. I'm like, this is to go, this is going down, and I'm I'm am going to get off the uh, the Titanic before it sinks, you know. Yeah. And so, um, it, that's what happened. And I left, and and my wife's like, what are you doing? Like, that's your job. And I go, well, yeah, but it's this job's going to end. And I, you know, I had a great run, 25 years, and over that. But but the, that's kind of when we were active, and so I kind of was sitting there going what am I going to do my wife's like you got to what are you going to do with the rest of your life I go honey I've done pretty well with Sugar Ray I mean it's not like you know like <laughs> yeah, I sold 10 million freaking records day. like I made some money and I didn't buy a Ferrari like I was pretty smart I did some real estate investing and you know I I, I was okay with with money I'm like I'm just going to sit back and figure out what my next move is and at that time let's see it was 2012 so I'm 55 so it's 45 you know and so you know I'm like let me chill for a year, figure out what my next is. But I'm not done. I'm going to do something with food. I know that. Probably go open a pizza place. My wife comes to me and she's she comes. She's got the computer open. She goes, "Honey, honey, I found what you're going to do next." Because she's like that. She doesn't want me to like be on the couch or playing tennis or you know. Even though I deserved it. <laughs> Look at him just laying there all happy. <laughs> I know. Look at his tan. God. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I, she found this ad on Craigslist of all places that said, do you like food? Do you like adventure? Do you like travel? Do you, you know, and I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. That's pretty good. And it's like, okay, open auditions for a show called Chef Race. And I don't even know if you guys know this about what me, but maybe you do. So it was called Chef Race. Um, it was a reality TV show that happened in 2012. There were 10,000 uh, people that auditioned for it. And basically it was a, a Jamie Oliver production. And so it was, it was eight chefs, chefs i use that term loosely uh uh from the u.s versus eight chefs from the uk and um the premise of the show was you had to get from santa monica to new york over the course of 12 weeks and it was a, a show about like it was like top chef survivor uh greatest race all that stuff combined into one so basically anyway so i went up to audition ten thousand people you know i dropped the sugar a card you know i did and say hey this is, i was in the yeah. band and and you know now I'm, I'm i've been cooking my whole life i've I'll get into the, the other stuff, like, you know, how I got um, so into food in a minute. But um, I, I got auditioned for the show, and I thought, they're never going to pick this guy. I mean, I'm, I'm a drummer, and I'm, a, I'm not a, a properly trained chef. Anyway, I, like, two days later, I get a phone call, and they're like, you have been selected as one of the eight contestants. On this. You know, I'm like, holy shit. So now what am I going to do? So my wife's like, you got to do the show. And I'm like, I don't know. This is pretty gnarly, like. Look, you have to go from like Santa Monica to, they didn't tell us very much about it either. So I'm like, I'm kind of quaking in my boots, you know, I'm like, what What if it's like, you know, like it's going to be really hard for me because I just came off, like we were flying private planes. We were staying in the Four Seasons hotels. Yeah. We're, we're, we had the life of luxury, you know, in the band. I mean, people were like waiting on his hand and foot. I don't think I did a load of laundry for 10 years. You know, people just send out the dress. Yeah. That sounds like the nicest part. Yeah, it was yeah. really nice. <laughs> and so now it's like, oh, yeah, I got to get a backpack, fill it with clothes, and I, I'm allowed to bring, you know, one cooking, like, instrument. So I brought my peeler. Uh, no, I, was, I brought a garlic press. And then you were allowed to bring two spices, and I brought sumac and salt. So, I mean, nice. I, I, was, I, I was just like, I don't need, and I, I'm like, what am I doing with my life? I don't need to be doing this. My bank account looks good right now, you know? And so my wife's like, no, you got to do it just to prove that you can do it. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I go to Santa Monica, spend the night in the hotel. The show's starting like the next day. And um, this is a really long way around to getting Sergeant Peps, but I think it's- No, fun. I like it. This okay. is perfect. So I go, on the sh I go on the show and I meet all the producers. Day one, I meet all the other contestants. The show is uh, called Chef Race, and it is on iTunes. So if you do want to check it out, you can just go on yeah, iTunes. I, say, I remember Google Chef Race. Yeah. It was on BBC America, which okay, that's, that's, yeah, yeah, it yeah. was on NBC. I wouldn't even be sitting here right now. I'd probably be like having like four shows because <laughs> what happened was, um, you know, here I am. This, I'm the grunt. I'm the only untrained chef. Everyone on the show is like either a, like a, a properly trained chef. There was a couple guys that were, had like multiple restaurants. I, I think there was even a guy maybe with like a Michelin star. Anyway... <clears throat> We get on the end of the, the Santa Monica Pier, and they're telling us, um, okay, your next challenge is you have to be in Vegas in, in, uh, by tomorrow at 5 p.m. Go. And we're like, go? How are we doing that? They take your money. They take your wallet. They take your phone. You don't have any of that stuff. 
and you have to barter or beg your way or to, to, you have to use your culinary skill, your business savvy. You have to use all that stuff to get to Vegas in, in like less than 12 hours. And you're like, and, and so, yeah, we just start going up to people and knocking on doors. Hi, we're on this show. You've got the cameras. So people are like, okay, this is an, hi, we're, we're on this show, Chef Race, and we've got to, you know, make $400 to get a, a ride out to Vegas. Or can you, we borrow your car or can we sleep in your it was that gnarly. Like we just didn't, and 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 we didn't want to lose because if you yeah. lose, you, you can get kicked off the show. And by the way, the the grand prize was a hunt. Whoever won the show after twelve weeks won a hundred thousand bucks. So it's pretty solid. We, pretty pretty solid for a reality show. So week number one, you know, we get to the thing. We had the challenges. We did all the stuff, and then this guy ends up in the you know, um, I think they call it what they call it. It's it's like where you have to cook cook your way against the other two people who performed like the worst right so the first week i'm already in the the, the shitter you know i'm like oh god dang it you know i'm bummed out i'm like what am i gonna do so uh elimination challenge that's what it's called so it's me and two other chefs and we have to cook basically they they presented us a dish a really nice dish at this restaurant in uh i forget where it was I, i i forget but anyway we had to replicate this dish, this like five star dish, you know, and they and they give us like in thirty minutes. Here's the ingredients, go, and you're like, oh, here we go again, you know, and I'm just like sweating bullets. And uh, that first elimination challenge, I beat every, I beat the other two out, so they went home, and I'm like, yes, you know. So we it, it just kept going like that week after week, and I like I thought every week I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna like leave. I'm just gonna like just get like call my wife and like have her pick me up. I'm, I don't even want to do this anymore. <laughs> That's stupid. You come get me, Plato. <laughs> I was kind of like that. Like ah, I want to go home. <laughs> and so uh, the like the next week, you know, same thing happened. I ended up in another elimination challenge and I beat the chef out. Ended up in another elimination, and I was like, dude, this is getting old. And then finally, like I just had a moment. I, like I woke up one morning and I was like you know what? I think I can win this thing because I, like out of 16, there was already like, I don't know, maybe five gone. And I'm like, well, you know, my odds are getting better. So I just, I, I just, um, assumed like this weird alter ego thing. And I started growing like a gnarly, like porno mustache. <laughs> and I started doing like a thousand pushups every morning, you know, and I just got this like Rocky thing. And I'm like, I'm going to win this thing. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to try to win this thing. And so, boom, you know, another week, Stan goes to the top. Another week, Stan goes to the top. Another week, you know. And I've had a few setbacks. And it was hard, though, because it was like we had to, like, break down, like, a whole bison in the back of a truck, like, in the middle of the desert. And I'm like, what? Like, it was crazy, dude. And if you didn't have a place to stay, literally, you would, like, kind of have to sleep, like, under a a bus stop or something. It was, it was, I mean, if you really got into trouble, the producers would come in and save you. Yeah. But like that said, I mean, I slept in some really crappy places and I threw out my back. And I mean, we had we had a lot of those challenges. I mean, it's pretty fun to go back and watch the shows. But um, so anyway, we get to week number 12 and it's me and two other chefs in the final. We'd made it to New York and it was like I, I'm like sitting there. I'd lost 35 pounds. I had this gigantic Jeez, 35 pounds. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you know. I got a little soft after the, you know, at the band, into the band years. It's like <laughs> a little Elvis there for me. But uh, I got this giant mustache. I'm freaking doing all these push ups. And um, the final challenge was we had to set up your own pop up restaurant and you had to cook this this meal for like, these three celebrity judges. It was like Todd English and Richard Corrigan and, and uh, whoever else it was. And so at the end of these 12 weeks oh by the way during the final like challenge i'm cooking i'm sweating we're in this kitchen in new york it's a thousand degrees they 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 go stan you have to go into the walk-in you forgot an ingredient i'm like huh no i didn't and then no go in and i go in and my right by the walk-in is my wife and my daughter they flew them out from oh, that's and i hadn't seen them, all, i haven't seen them in 12 weeks i fell on the ground started ba- sobbing because it's an emotional thing you know yeah, like literally i'm i've been gone i was in this band now i'm just this grunt i got a mustache what am i doing with my life and so uh i see them give them a hug and then to go back, that inspires me. Anyway, they we they bring the food out. We do the final judge. The judges are all there. There's they have like 150 people surrounding us. It's all being filmed, and like you know, just to cut to the chase, they're like, and the winner of Chef Race is. We'll be right back. You know, they go to commercial. Like, ah, you know, like. <laughs> so then they go, uh, and then they come back out, and they go, the winner of Chef Race, and they look at the other guy, and they look at me, and they look at the other guy, they look at me, and then they go, Stan. Frazier, you're the winner of Chef Ray. So, well, yeah, you know, just like insane. Like everyone's freaking out. Um, so that was a long way to tell you how I got to Sergeant Pepperoni. So, so I won a hundred grand. Um, I took like 
three months off of my life. You know, I literally went to the beach every day and just like got my head back together. Yeah. I gained some of my weight back. Yes. <laughs> Mustache went, was gone. My wife was like, you are shaving that right now. Yeah. I was going to ask, really, and just because this is driving me nuts, I want to ask really quick. As soon as you saw them standing by the walk-in, how long did it take her to look at the mustache and just go, no? Oh, dude. <laughs> I mean, it was, she, she, like, honestly, she looked at me with, with like a sour face, even though you can't see this on the podcast, but it was like she had like um, uncovered like a pile of, of throw up when she saw me. She was like, ah, like that kind of thing. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut it off. I just had to ask no, that it's, one. It's a great question. So that went, it took three weeks off, or I'm sorry, three I took about three weeks, maybe it was like three months. I can't even remember. I was in a tailspin. I was just like, what did I just do? I definitely took some time off. And then, um, you know, I go, I got a hundred grand and I've always wanted to open a pizza place. So let me, let me explore this, you know, and I'm literally like two or three days after I, I kind of wrote a business plan out and was about to kind of do like a wood, wood burning pizza place. I got a call from my part, one of my part who now partners. And he was like, Hey dude, um, we're going to buy Sergeant Pepperoni. So the story behind Sergeant Pepperoni is that the original store in Newport opened in 1976. So we were the third owners. We bought it 11 years ago. But at the time, you know, he was like, hey, we're going to buy this uh, pizzeria. And, you know, you just won the show and we want you to be a part of it. And I'm like, hell yeah, because this was our childhood pizzeria that we went to throughout all of our. I mean, my brother and I used to play pinball. I had my first kiss of a girl in the restaurant in the arcade. That's this place That's has awesome. such a special meaning to me because it was just like this place that we all went. Parents would watch the game and have pictures. Kids would play the arcade games. You know, I might he might steal a kiss from a chick in the, in the back. And and so once he said that, I said, "Oh my god!" And I, I I went over there and checked it out, and it was like they had orange shag carpeting. The owner had lost his wife, unfortunately, and to let it go. He was serving like you know peanut like a white zimbadel out of a box. I mean, it, it was yeah. off. The place had just like it was there was like rodents it was it was bad yeah it's really bad so we did a um complete re we, we basically tore it apart inside and rebuilt the whole place um we did it in about two weeks which is unheard of because it's like you know you do a restaurant remodel you think oh it's gonna be open in six months from now. Yeah. you're like seeing a year we hired yeah. like 40 you know gcs and around the clock there were people working 24 7 to get this thing open so that's how i fell into the the, the sergeant peps thing i mean we were honestly like we get w- walked in there d- doing the demo, you know, breaking down walls and, and ripping out toilets and stuff. It was a real labor of love between my partners. So there's four of us total with, you know, our wives and, and, and all of our additional family members. But so we, we got the menu together. We got the recipe for the pizza together. Um, and, you know, it was really tough. Like the first year and a half, two years of, of this business, we were all ready to throw in the towel. We're like, man, this is so hard because like, I know a lot about food, but I don't, I'm not an operator, you know, I don't know anything about, you know, I mean, I can definitely figure it out, but, and my other partners were rely, relying on me kind of on, on the culinary side, which I, I was fine with, but you know, there's more to a restaurant than just the food, you know, yeah. it's a business. You got to have the numbers and the P and L's and you got to have, you know, all, all the ordering and all the, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes with it. So, um, luckily the, the, between the four of us, um, we sort of divvied up the, you know, responsibilities and you know, I, I started working really hard in the kitchen and I mean, it was putting in eight, 10 hour days, you know, just back there grinding with the back of house. And everyone was doing that. My, my partner, JR, he, he's like the, uh, he's, the, he's like a retail rock star. He's the guy who kind of just came in and, and, and help, helped with almost every element of everything. And then my other partner, Rob Dobbin, he, we call him MC spreadsheet. Cause he's like a, a fi- <laughs> he's a financial guy. He's a genius. He's a wizard with the numbers. And then Andy Hong, my other partner, he's like our IT guy handles a lot of the marketing and, and um, just getting all the systems in place because it's, it's a lot, you know, I mean, especially when you want to be on, you know, c- competing with like other pizzerias that have like online ordering and on all the, all the stuff that, you know, over over technology, you, you have to have in this, yeah. you have to have it, you know, no one wants to, I mean, we were like thinking of not even having phones, you know, because it's it's another annoyance. It's like, you, you know, you get a call, <laughs> hi, I'd like to order a pizza. No one does that anymore. They all do it from their phones. You guys know, it's like, it's like so easy to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And you just go pick up your food and you're done. So anyway, we all had different responsibilities, and that's how we got into it. So we opened that one in, in uh, 2012, and it's been, you know, 11 years there. And then being the, uh, we always thought this would just be it. You know, like, we're just one pizzeria, and we're good, and it's a family. And so after two years, we decided we needed to, like, figure out how to make this work financially from a business perspective. So 
we started involving schools and churches and doing charity and give back. And then all of a sudden the people just showed up. It was yeah. amazing. No, your like, community so, outreach is hundred percent really, really, really awesome. So important. And you know, we were just trying to like keep our head above water. And then all of a sudden we were just like slamma jamma and we're like, Oh my gosh, like this is so anyway, um, we, we were the, the guys that were, you know, during the pandemic and, and COVID we're like, why don't we try to open another one? Like when everything's closing, like, oh my God, what are you doing guys? But it was a really smart thing by, by JR, my partner, uh, you know, like I said, he, he's a retail just genius. And so he found, uh, our second location, which was Aliso Viejo, which we opened, uh, gosh, I don't know if probably 2000, we waited uh, a bunch of years before we opened the, the second store. So it was during the pandemic. When was it? 21 maybe is when we opened. Well, yeah, I was going to say, so I live in Aliso Viejo, um, right. and that's the one that's right near me. I actually got it last night. It was my saving grace after a long weekend, so thank you for that. Um, I want to say it was like 2021 or something. Yeah, I remember when it came in, I'm like, whoa, that, that's yep. awesome. We were stoked. We took over the old bagels and brews right there across from OPA. And, um, you know, that, that store is doing good. Um, and then we opened in 2020, uh, let's see, in 2022, we opened Irvine by UCI. It was the old Gina's Pizza. So we've got three of these stores now on the box, you see, and um, we're looking for more. You know, we're, we're going to try to maybe get to five and see where the world takes us. But um, right now, like we're we spend a lot of money, um, you know, on, on our ingredients like we we uh, we don't cut any corners. And quality, I think, is what brings people back to restaurants, you know, good food quality, good environment, good atmosphere, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and we I think we have it. You know, you can watch a game at our place. We have live music on the weekends, which. Is, is awesome and Irvine and Elisa, we have free music out on the patio. We have uh, trivia night and we, we've uh, done beer pong tournaments at some of the stores. So it's it's a fun uh, place to go. And we all, all the stores have little versions of an arcade, you know, um, so you can bring your kids or you can sit there and have a pitcher of beer and listen to music or whatever. But I think, you know, we've exceeded what we expected to do because I thought we were just going to do one. Now we've got three and, and we're looking for number four right now. So well, I was going to say, you didn't just open you know, or take over a pizzeria, you open, this is subjective, everybody can have their own opinion, but I would argue that Sergeant Pepsi is some of the best in Orange County. So you guys just didn't do a store. You went and did a really, really good job and you made them basically community centers because there's something, I don't know if it's nostalgia or whatever it is, but anybody who's had that classic interaction with the pizzeria, like you said, you go, the parents are watching a game, having beer, you're having, you know, you're in the arcade, you're eating pizza. There's something really awesome and unique about that experience. A hundred percent. And it goes back to what you know, when we were kids going to the original one in Newport and, and having that feeling of, of, you know, it's like our, our slogan is like peace, love and pizza. Right. I mean, it's like, we just try to like, really like live that philosophy yeah. and from the back of the house to the front of the house. I mean, when we have staff meetings and everything, it's like, you gotta have a smile on your face and you, you know, just, you, you gotta make this customer experience like really, really good. I mean, we could buy real crappy cheese if we wanted to. We could buy real crappy pepperonis. We we don't. We we spend the money to make the t pizza taste good. I mean, we make our own dough and sauce from scratch every single day. It's a scratch kitchen. I mean, I think there's two or three things that we don't make, and everything else is like, you know, it's it's a it's a labor of love, but yeah. it's worth it. And we you see the repeat customers, and it's a family business. I mean, my my 18 year old daughter, she's going off to college like in a, in a couple of weeks, but she worked there. All of my other partners, their their teenage kids work there. My wife handles all the Yelp, which is a thankless job. I just want to say thank you, Jennifer, for handling our Yelp uh, reviews because that's, that's not that's, that's no easy task. It's heroic, it's brutal. It's, it's heroic. <laughs> that's a great word. Um, and then you know, uh, Jr.'s wife, she does like all the baking for all of our desserts. We do our New York uh, cheesecake and Wow bars and all this stuff, the cookies. And then Grace Hong, she does a lot of our uh, HR and personnel stuff. So everyone has their own. It's it's weird. It's like there's, I get, there's four partners, but with our wives, that's eight. But everyone has a specific job that, like, it just kind of like, oh, you're good at that? Do that. You're good at that? Do that. And, it, and there's no, like, there's no doubling up. There's no redundancy in our partnership group, which is so wild because you think about it. And, like, there's got to be, like, well, I don't really know. That guy's not really contributing. I think everybody contributes a lot, which is yeah. really a unique kind of partnership. And I, mean, I don't think we've had more than one, like, little hurdle or one little argument in, in over 10 years with, with eight people, which is that's pretty, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. That's not yeah. it's 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 a it's a beautiful thing and and we're we're uh we're happy to uh keep it going we're, we're like i said we're we'll probably have our fourth location identified pretty soon because i know that we're actively looking so we'll see we'll just i'll let, let you guys know but maybe huntington beach maybe another irvine spot you know I'd say huntington beach we're, we're we're thinking about it 
Yeah, HB is a good spot for that's that family environment. Yep. You know, it's hundred percent right on the coast. Just just kind of do this up and down the coast if we can. You know, this happens to be where I live. There you go. You know, yeah. Well, I want to talk about the pizzas and the ingredients because, again, you know, we, we kind of bring this back to the Taco Tuesday part of things. You guys do, what is it, Pizza of the Month? Where you'll change it up and you'll do a special one. And we just missed the cutoff. That burria pizza. Uh, you know, yeah, burria pizza. We did. Okay, awesome. so we, we've usually they come to me and they say, Stan, what are you going to create for the Pizza of the Month? And by the way, we used to do the Pizza of the Month every month, which makes sense, right? It's, you get 12 pizzas per year. We started doing it and people were like, um, they just get they get, they got wind of it at, at the end of the month, and then it was away, and then we get all these disgruntled people saying, "What do you mean I can't get that pizza?" I, well, it's the pizza of the month; it's gone on the thirty first or the thirtieth or whatever. Yeah. So we started doing the pizza of the month for two months. So we really do six annually. So just it's, so they're there for two months, so the people have a, a chance to once we market it, they have a chance to come in. Maybe they you know are traveling or something. So um, yeah, we we just missed we had we had an Alpa store, we had a, a birria pizza. Um, you know, we love, uh, obviously, you know, we live in Southern California and we have some of the greatest Mexican food. Your, your podcast is called Taco Tuesday. Yeah. I'm a taco junkie body by tacos, you know, like, like, like <laughs> Me too. yeah, I'm a member of that gym. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I drive to Santa Ana in the middle of the week just to go get tacos off a truck that I love. Yeah. You know, you guys probably know it or have been to it. Um, but my point is we, we, we just missed the cutoff of, of the, 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 taco style pizzas or the, the Mexican variety of pizza. So this this pizza that I brought today, um, we called it the All-American Pizza. And um, basically, yeah, you can open yeah, the box. Say, I'm going to dig into it. It's been sitting here a minute, but, uh, you know, right. what, what's the saying? Like, there's no such thing as bad pizza, right? Um, so this this came kind of as an accident. You know, when we were first opening, I, I, uh, I was tinkering around in a kitchen, and I had all these ingredients, and I go, I, I think, and I, it wasn't like I came up with this it, it, people have been doing this pizza for a while yeah but um i was just tinking around all the uh, owners were in the the shop i think we were all just kind of having having like a, that was a family a night yes. there you go <laughs> we we're having like a family night at the pizzeria and i i went into the kitchen when everyone was there and i said i want to create something so i just said let's do a cheeseburger pie and everyone's like huh and i go yeah like you'll do a thousand island spread we'll do ground beef grilled onions you know we'll do some uh we, and then we finish it we with with lettuce and then a ketchup drizzle. I'm sorry, it's not cut through through there. And so basically, you know, we're trying to replicate the uh, one of the favorite uh, Southern California uh, restaurants that rhymes with bubble bubble or the the the, the cheeseburgers called the bubble bubble. This is mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if we can say in and out or you have to edit it or if there's copyright infringement, please. Inspired. So. It's inspired. It's by. inspired by your local California. Out in burger it. joint that has palm trees in their logo. So I, I just came out with it one day and I served it to all the owners and they're sitting there and everyone was like, holy crap, dude, this is a great pie. And um, we just decided, you know, let's run with it as the all-American pizza. And, um, you know, again, like you said, pizza, tacos, burgers. I mean, it's we just try to... Yeah, these are like the stations of the cross. You know, exactly. You know, like, what do I want to eat? This is a blank slate, right? A pizza is just dough, right? So it's like, you know, those are the buns. And then everything else inside, those are the toppings. And, you know, you can get creative. I mean, I don't know. I've run out of ideas at this point. I'm like, what am I going to do for the – oh, and then I, I think of it. You know, I'm like, oh, my gosh, wouldn't it be fun to do a, this pizza or that pizza? So, I don't know. In the mind of, of people that create food, it's just like a musician. It's I, I yeah. find it very similar. It's like you're creating something from scratch, right? You're just making it up as you go. I mean, yeah, you can follow recipes, and I, and I definitely do. But I just like to be – I get inspired by food from all over the place. Like we did, we did a Greek pizza with you know Kalamata olives and feta and all, and it was really popular and really good. We may bring that one back. Um, some of the other popular ones we did. Um, so we have a grandma's crust. I don't know if you've had that one. Yep, it's like a thick, uh, you know, Sicilian type of, of crust. So we did um, one called the Capri, which had burrata and you know um, t- fresh tomatoes, and and it just we're just looking, say it's kind of like a it's like a what do they call it, like Long Island style? Yeah, bit. well, yeah. they kind of maybe a Detroit style. It's just a thick crust. It, the grandma's pie, they have them, you know, all over New York. And, and, and you know, that's my kind of favorite right now is the thicker crust. They just opened, I just went to this place in uh, Dana Point that just opened, and it's tremendous. It's called Truly, and those guys are doing some amazing stuff with pizza down there. Yeah, they, they have thin crust they've and thick crust. ever since they opened. Yeah. Yeah, they're doing a great job. 
Um, I want to wind it back because we kind of mentioned the whole story about, you know, competing on the show and that's how you got to Sergeant Peps. Yep. Your love affair with food starts well before that, back in the band's years and traveling and kind of being on the road. And I mean, it's one thing to just, people just don't do this and then just be like, oh yeah, I'm going to go win this cooking competition. No big deal. <laughs> I mean, where did your kind of love affair with food come from? That's a great question. And and so, yeah, um, I was mentioning earlier. So when, when Sugar Ray, like we made our first record and, um, you know, I like to say it went double copper. Like it, we didn't, we, we didn't sell any records. I mean, we may, maybe sold like 10, 15,000, but there was one song on, on the record that, that we had a minor hit, like in Belgium of all places. And so we couldn't get a, anything. We couldn't get hit by a car to save our lives in the States, but that little hit in Belgium allowed us, our record label was like, well, hell, there's a bunch of festivals going on this summer. Let's get Sugar Ray on some of these festivals. So here we go. They send us to, to Europe and they, they send us, you know, like we probably had like maybe 20 tour dates and it was like I looked at the itinerary and my heart stopped because I've always wanted to go to Europe I mean I was probably 22 23 and I'm like I don't even know if I'm ever going to get to Europe I don't know but um so they they're like your first stops in Belgium you're playing this festival your second stops in Netherlands you're playing this festival and we're like holy crap and we got to some of these festivals and we're like playing in front of 20 or 30,000 people we couldn't believe it you know but that's when my love affair with food started because I started, you know, all this cuisine over there was blowing my mind. And I yeah. knew it was there. I just didn't, like, I just didn't understand, like, oh, my gosh, they, they're, those cuisines, those, those cultures, they live for their food, right? I mean, the first time I went to Spain, I couldn't believe it. I mean, the first time we went to France, I was in, in awe. I was in shock. And then once we had, a, we had, like, three days in Italy, and we were working, so it's like, you drive by the Coliseum, you're like, there's a Coliseum, okay, that's it, and I gotta go to work, guys, you know, sound checks in an hour, yeah. like, that's all? <laughs> so I, but we did have one day off in Italy, and I just went hog wild. Like, I went I went to every meat shop, I went to every fishmonger, I started bringing stuff back to the hotel room, I started, like, making, like, charcuterie plates in my room, and, like, bringing them out to the <laughs> guys. Awesome. And we had to share hotel rooms back then, it was, like, t- two or three guys per room, it was really, you know, it was gross, everyone's just, like, you know, it's just sharing rooms. When I guess you're in your 20s is different when you're sharing rooms later in life. You just need your own space. Well, it's right? also fair to say that in, if anybody's listening who has not been to Europe, that the rooms can be smaller. They're very small. Yeah, so it's, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. And we had a it's we big. we had a we didn't even have a tour bus. We had a, like a um, a glorified uh, sprinter van, I guess it was. But don't don't be fooled. We called it the torture chamber because. <laughs> because <laughs> Like there was reclining seats that didn't recline, and there was like you know our our driver we thought was like you know like a he was on crystal meth the whole time like he he was like bumping and jerking and hitting things and it, it was a torturous uh, but but at the same time like it turned me on to food that's what really happened it was like I was like so I started bringing stuff back in my suitcase you know and I was mentioning earlier like I'd bring blocks of cheese and. I'd bring Batarga, and I, I was just exploring. I'd, I'd bring, I don't even know, just stuff that I would find on shelves in France that I could never, ever find in the States. Yeah. And I would bring it back, and I'd get stopped at customs, and they thought my, you know, brick of Parmesan was a brick of cocaine. And, you know, <laughs> it's like, dude, it's cheese, bro. I'm like, come on. But anyway, we, we had, I had a lot of fun. And then when we were touring a lot in the States, same thing. It's like we, we actually had our big hit, big hit fly in 97, and then we, got, we finally got our tour bus. And with a tour bus comes freedom because you have a kitchen yeah. and you have uh, bays underneath where you can keep a, a barbecue per se or your golf clubs or your bicycle. So you, like I'd wake up in the morning and knowing that our show's at 7.30, let's say, and I'd wake up at like, I don't know, like eight or nine. I wouldn't get up that early or that late. Like, a lot of guys would sleep till noon and play video games all day. And that's all they would do. And I'm like, forget that. So I'd, I'd get out my bicycle underneath the bus and I would go into town and I would go get all the stuff I needed for the day. And I'd start queuing at like two in the afternoon, uh, you know, and I'd have like, you know, a whole Branzinos. And yeah. I, I, I was just going crazy because I was like, I could eat the catering here. It's pretty, uh, do I want another turkey sandwich? Hell no. Yeah. <laughs> I, and it sits out in the sun for an hour. You're just like, I'm not eating that. I'm not eating that. So I would go get on my bike, get my stuff, come back with bags of, of groceries and, and whatever I could find. And, and then I'd start cooking and then, yeah, then after the show, same thing. It was like, okay, you know, I'm starving. What are we going to eat? You know, stand, fire up the queue, you know? And I'd just be like, all right, pour out the briquettes and do the whole thing. And it was it was just a great kind of um, almost like going to like like a trade school or something for me, you know, because it was – but I, I, I didn't want to sit on the bus all day and be dormant. That, that yeah. to me, wasn't appealing. And then the other thing, if, if I wasn't doing the food exploration, doing all that stuff um, – 
one of the other guys in Sugar Ray Murphy, who's, you know, we're still super close. We, we had our golf clubs under the bus. So we would barter, we would call, we'd have our tour manager, like call um, golf courses and be like, hey, um, this is, you know, this is Dave LaCurcy, I'm, I'm in Sugar Ray. Uh, two of the guys are avid golfers. Would you, you be interested in uh, swapping out some concert tickets for tonight's show for some tea times? And they're like, oh, 100%. So we would let like you know, 25 of their staff come see us and me, me and Murphy oh, that's cool. like super primo golf courses, you know, really spendy. Like, you know, you got to be a member, you know, yeah. and we come in, we just look like crap. We're like slicing balls everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> like, but no, Murphy was actually hitting them straight. I was slicing. But, uh, yeah, it was super fun. Um, those were the days, man. I mean, it's like you you could barter tickets for for golf. You know, I was cooking. We just we had a good companionship. It was a, it was a nice because you're gone from home for so long. Yeah. You're like you're missing home. So like those are the things that I thought were like, let's all at least have meals together. Let's let's bond over this you know whatever this the steaks that I just marinated and did all this work for. Uh, rather than, I mean, and some of the catering was great, and so sometimes I didn't feel like cooking, and I just like whatever, let's go get some fast food or whatever. But most of the time, I was like always looking. I'm always looking ahead, like what's what are we gonna eat next? You know, well, it's got to be something refreshing to that. I mean, because life on the road is hard. If anybody's done, I mean, p- p- people don't like to travel for the holidays. That's hard enough. Imagine totally. being away from your family, stuff like that. A home cooked meal, whether it's in a bus or anything else, can yeah. really help emotionally. I, that's like, what I thought, you know, and some of the guys appreciated it, and the other guys like were like, hey, you know, I just I don't get down like that. Like I'd, I'd rather. Can we go to you know drive through and I'm like ah those are, the real you're breaking my heart you know <laughs> but but you know and to each his own and and uh, it it just whether they liked it or not and and most of them did I I was gonna do it anyway I, I just I couldn't not do it because I just I was I'm one of those guys that has to kind of be doing something all the time or else I get super bored yeah and I'm like and and I and I had a uh, for a long time I had a recording studio of this little unit that i had built that so on the days that i wasn't making food or or golfing like i would be recording more music you know and i had a little portable rig like this and microphone and thing and so those are the kind of things that you know kind of kept me sane because after you know gosh dude i don't even know i mean we were on the road from like 97 to 2012 i guess i mean you know not constantly and not 365 days a year but it's enough to where you're like it, it, it it's you're like you said People hate to travel for the, I mean, the way we were traveling was nice because we had hotels, we had our two yep. of us, but it's still, you're living out of a bag and you're, you've got, you know, four shows, one day off, four shows, one day off, and you're tired the whole time. It's man. not, it's not your bed. It's not your exactly. you know, room. I, I it's mean, not, right. Yeah. It's not, I mean, it's not your toilet. I mean, for God's sake, it's the best <laughs> thing when you get home from a trip. <laughs> well, you know, there's, there's something to be said like for that. And then uh, I was going to say, like, if you're the stones and you have your own jet and you have a hub and you just, you do sleep in your own bed. Cause yeah. that, that, I mean, that's, you know, but we weren't that big enough to do stuff like that. And it, it is, it's like you, um, every night, like if you're in like Dallas, all, you know, some, somebody, you know, or somebody's family is going to be, they know you in Valley. It's a Monday night and you're like, Ugh, okay, I'll, I'll just, let's go for one beer, you know? Let's go out for one beer. And then it turns into seven and then you're out all night. And then Tuesday night you're in Austin and you're like, oh, your cousin's called. They're coming tonight. Oh God, really? Okay. You just go out for one beer. And then it's Wednesday night you're in San Antonio and you're like, same thing. It's just like everywhere you go, there's usually someone up and you're just like, yeah, it's like, and you can't really be rude and be like, no, you're not coming to the show. You know, I'm not getting you tickets. Like I, I can't, I could never do that. It's like, okay, it's my family or it's my friends and they flew all the way out to see us but every night is a freaking party you know and that that gets old after yeah 20 years like i mean my liver's in a jar above my bed i mean i think you know <laughs> like honestly i don't know what happened we pickled we had a lot of uh we had a lot of fun but we were serious i mean we had you know at one point we had i don't th- i think it was three semi trucks and we had four tour buses and i mean it was a it's a it's a business you know and if so and if someone messes up and they don't show up for work that all that stuff goes to waste and so you know you got to just be attentive about you know other people's i don't want to you know make other people pissed off at me just because i'm being irresponsible yeah but that was the drummer in me you know we're kind of like the mother hens of bands you know (laughs) we just kind of like try to make that's why i was doing the cooking and i I literally like light candles on the bus and put freaking flour. I mean, you know, I just wanted yeah, to make it nice because nice, yeah. it was like, yeah, I don't want to see your dirty sweat socks all over the, you know, my You're living in that thing the yeah, whole time. Exactly. You know, like, be you respectful. Try to make it somewhat neat. Be respectful. Sure. I mean, you know, the, plenty of road stories, but but yeah, that that's how I mean. That was my sort of upbringing on the food side, going to Europe, figuring out like 
all the different cuisines and really falling in love with, with that. And I've tried to replicate so many of those dishes. I, I make, you know, Italians are my jam. Like if I think if all, if, you know, money was an object, I'd, I'd be living in Italy right, right the second. Like I'd just be in Italy doing my thing. I could be, I could be chopping onions in the back of some kitchen and be really happy. In Part it, of it, Italy. Yeah. I, oh, dude. I mean, the South, I got to be down in the South, you know? That's very good. I mean, but, but yeah, you could stick me in Emilia Romana and I, I'd be happy too. It just... It's one of those things where it just speaks to me. I think I should have been Italian. I married an Italian. My wife's Italian, so I I, I kind of got the bonus prize. <laughs> um, but we we just went right before COVID. We went in uh, 2018, I think it was, and and it, we had a blast. And I got so many inspirations, and I brought home so much crap. I bought brought an extra suitcase to bring home like dried mushrooms. The TSA dogs must love you. It's <laughs> <laughs> like I know most of the time they're like they're like we're looking for coke. They're like, well, that dude does cheese. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got like uh, I've got. Batarga in my in my sock. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that that's kind of like my my role. Like I just you know I, I've got a new band that I started playing with. Um, they're not new, but we've it's guys from other bands. We're called the Side Deal. So that's my cre- other creative outlet is making music. So we play all the time. We've got a bunch of gigs lined up for the summer. Um, you know, and it's it's super fun for us. We're uh, you know, still get to play the drums, still get to be creative. Um, not doing that much in, as far as the writing with music goes anymore. It's more of just performing. Um, not to say I wouldn't write. I just, I, I don't know. I've just been in a space of restaurants. I've been in a space of just trying to, you know, I'm raising my child. She's going off to college. Um, we're going to be empty nesters, which is so weird because we only had one. We have one daughter. She's 18. She's going to U of A in the, in, uh, right, right coming up in August. And so that's been kind of, you know, my focus is getting her off to school, getting her moved in, you know, trying to figure out, you know, how it's going to be with just my wife and my dog and what's the dynamic and no child running around every morning. And so, you know, things that, that I guess happen to people in their, their mid fifties, you know, life shifts and there's, there's things going on, but I'm still really passionate about music, really passionate about food. That'll never go away. Um, it's like, those, those are my, those are my jams. We can't have somebody on um, who has a pizzeria and not ask potentially the most controversial question when it comes to oh pizza. Boy. Oh, pineapple. Does it belong on there? It, it's such a, uh, it's a touchy, it's a touchy, you know. I air, hear touchy, the comments on touchy. YouTube right now. <laughs> well, pineapple does not belong on pizza. I, I love those videos where they, they go, I'm going to show you how to eat pineapple on pizza, and they just throw it in the trash. <laughs> throw it away, do it. Um, I personally think whatever you want to do is fine. Like, I, if it's right, like, f- first of all, most pineapple that goes on pizza comes out of a can, you know, and it's in syrup and it's gross. It's, it's just, it's pineapple has been sitting on a shelf for 10 yeah. years or whatever. So that kind of grosses me out. So I would say I did have a slice of, of like a Canadian bacon and pineapple, but it was this pineapple was shaved really thin in these oval slices. And the, uh, the whatever the Canadian baker ham they used was absolutely a 10. And the cheese was perfect. And so it worked for me. But I would say, to answer your question, I think it does belong on pizza if you treat it right. But you can't use the stuff out of the can. And, yeah. and you can't use big, chunky, gross, like, thick pieces of of ham. Like, I think it has to be delicate, thinly sliced, and, and you know, really cared for. I mean, that that's kind of like at Sergeant Peps. I mean, we go, like the extra step to do a lot of things, which a lot of restaurants don't do, you know? So um, I'm going to say yes, but, you know, send me your hate letters to uh, 704 uh, Walnut Lane. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you, you're not, I, not I have that. So again, I, I have a, a podcast that I do where I've had on chefs and people like that. And anybody who's ever been involved with pizza, I've always asked that question. Right. I would have to go back and do the numbers, but overwhelmingly people have been like yes as long as it doesn't suck yeah so okay yeah i mean i mean i had it on a barbecue chicken pizza and it was actually shockingly delicious there you go it was very thinly sliced yeah everything was just perfect right i don't know i've never had it on a pizza since that i actually enjoyed though yeah yeah i mean if you were getting a pizza from like i don't know one of the chain pizzerias like i i I would think that like that's not it's not going to be good but um like i said if something about the slicing of the pineapple on a, the thinnest possible so you taste it but it's not like overwhelming and you're biting into like a big syrupy like piece of chewy yeah. gum i don't know um i think the world is open to all different flavor combinations on pizzas like i said this is the ve- the dough is the vehicle so like whatever you can dream up i mean we had our marketing person this morning said like what about a reuben on a pizza like the sandwich mm-hmm. i said 
I don't know. That sounds kind of good. I mean, oh, I'm not opposed to it. I'm not opposed to it. I mean, you'd have to get the pastrami right. You'd yeah. have to get like you know the ingredients correct. There would be some R and D. There would be yeah. some R and D. I'm like you know, it, but it's not out of the question. I mean, I think um, I wanted to do. I thought it would be really funny to do like a um, almost like a, you have to sign a waiver for this pizza to eat it. Like where it's like you I call it like the El Diablo, right? And just. <laughs> Like, make it so fiery that, like, you may not sell that many of them, but we have something to talk about. And we get on, you know, the news, and it's like, oh, three people died last week at Sergeant Pabs. Like, all these content creators are going to be coming into your restaurant like, well, that's what I, we're doing the Sergeant Pep's challenge. Yeah, dude, for sure. I think we could, pl- we could blow up. an influencer killed by a pizza. <laughs> totally. Well, we did a collab with uh, Shirley's Bagels a mm-hmm. bunch of years back, and, you know, they made a bagel this big, 18 inches. And remember that. sliced it in half, yeah. And and I think Eater, or so, one of the big, you know, yeah. they they picked up on it, and that's that went crazy viral for us. I don't know why we haven't done that. We we need to do the the, the bagel pizza again. It was freaking delicious. It was good. But I think you know, if you can dream it up, I think it's possible. You know, collabs with other businesses, um, goofy toppings. I mean, our store in Irvine is right next to UCI, mm-hmm. and you know. Very heavy Asian population over there. So I think our first pizza of the month we were there, we called it the K-Pie, which was, you know, basically like we had bulgogi and we had like a, a great uh, sort of teriyaki sauce on the base and we used all sorts of cheese and scallions and it was really, really good. And it was, it, it sold out every day. Yeah, I believe that. You know, and it was yeah. tasty. We That, that store... Um, that store gets stuff like that just because of the students that come over and they're like, oh, I want to try the K-Pie, you know, so... Um, a pizzeria next to a college, terrible idea. I know. That'll, yeah. never, that'll never work. That'll never work. <laughs> but, uh, but, I mean, you know, we, that store, we partnered with uh, with UCI uh, right when we opened. And, you know, basically what that entails is, like, you know, we give them a, a small nominal fee and they send, all, like, the staff and the basketball yeah. team and they send everybody to us. And so that store is is a thumper for us. So we're, we're lucky that that location it used to be, the old Gina's and they couldn't make it happen for some reason. They were having some, some legal issues, I guess. So um, they backed out and we saw that and just snatched it as fast as possible. So that's, that's good. Yeah, it's a good one. And that one's like, I can ride my bike to that one from my house. So I'm like, you know, if there's any problems, I, I actually have a, a Vespa and I just take the Vespa to the store and I'm there in two seconds. So it's nice to be near the, pro- you know, we've, we've had those owner calls cause it's a small business and you, you have to like face all those problems. Like there's no like, I mean, we have management and we have people that, that, you know, but it's like I've gotten those calls like in the middle of the night, like there's the water line blue and you're like, oh, dude, it's four in the morning. You know, like I got to get out of bed and go, you know, take care, meet the plumber there. You know, it's just those are the things that, you know, small business owners, you got to just, you know, chalk it up for uh, someone's got to do it. Dirty I job. They, but I don't remember who said it. There's a chef, and they were talking about this on a different show one time, and they were saying that, you know, if you want to be a chef owner and you want to be in a restaurant, don't bother with culinary school. Learn about, you know, engineering, electrical, and plumbing first. So smart. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's so true. It's just triage every day. Yeah, it's like, I what know. went wrong today? <laughs> and then, like, you know, during COVID, I mean, the staffing, and I'm sure you hear this from a lot of your other yeah. but, I mean, we had the hardest time just keeping people, you know, because people were getting, you know, money to st- sit at home. Um, but we did end up hiring a lot of people during the pandemic because people, you know, we were delivery and takeout. So, like, people were coming to us or we were going to them. And, you know, we had to hire tons of drivers and, and tons of more people, which during the pandemic, people were getting laid off, yeah. you know, all that stuff. So we, we actually, like, pizza was the number one food of the pandemic. I was going to say so, pizza yeah. was the, like, that was one of the tests. Oh, well, like, that have, was bulletproof. Yeah. 100%. I have chef friends that have closed restaurants and reopened now and closed restaurants and not reopened now. And there's just been, I, I can't imagine being like a fine dining place during, you know, COVID because it just, I mean, you had to shut down, you know, it, it, there was no option. We were like, Let's go on the offensive. Let's let's deliver more. Let's let's do more takeout. You know, we'll 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 hook you up. So I got some good partners, and uh, you know, it's it's turned out to be a really fun and profitable thing. So that that's a good thing. You know, we're in the first year or two. I was like, dude, if I have to stroke another check to keep these doors open, like I'm out. You know, so it, it definitely is one of those things where we got lucky. Yeah, good for you guys, man. That's a hell of a story. That's awesome. Better better to be uh, what's what's the saying. Better be uh, lucky than good, or I don't know what it is. We, oh yeah, we've had a lot of uh, fortunate things happen to us, and and we uh, we have a trailer. So I, I'll, I'll maybe end on this, or if you guys want to keep going, you tell me. But so we we had a food truck built, Sergeant Pepperoni's food truck. We spent a, 
bazillion dollars on it, had two uh, conveyor ovens in it, three compartment sink, two big refrigerated, um, you know, true refrigeration units, uh, prep tables, all that stuff. This, this thing is a badass truck, right? We did probably somewhere between two and 300, um, like private events with our truck, like for schools, businesses, churches, whatever, private parties, weddings, we did all it. Yeah. That thing is such a beast. Excuse me. Um, it's a, it needs its own staff. It needs its own uh, scheduling. It needs its own drivers. It's a, it's a whole restaurant on its own. And we just thought like, ah, we'll just do this. Like, you know, we'll just grab the guys from the back and we'll go. And we f- quickly found out it, it, after two years, we just uh, we just are, are saying au revoir to our our pizza truck. Where it's no longer uh, a thing that we can we can handle. So that thing was so impressive. I, I, I was fortunate enough to see it um, at a couple of events in person, yeah. and I think it was an absolute. Yeah, geek. we're stoked. I mean, and it, we're you know we were the quality was what matters to us the most, and we realized too that because we are like let's say we had like a five hundred person event like at a school or something, the quality of the pizza that you're churning out, you're ripping them through the oven and the guys are making them in 10 seconds, you know, just, they're just, we found out the quality was slipping. And that was another reason. Like if we want to do a hundred person party, that's fine. And the quality is going to, but if we're trying to do five, you know, 600, 700 people in like an hour, like it just, I, I was like, we can't serve this. It's not good. You know? So we've got the, the truck, the truck is up on the, on the chopping block. So if you guys know anybody that wants to buy a, a, a super badass pizza if truck, anybody's looking for a restaurant on wheels. Yeah. You can convert it to, to taco truck, you know, no, but we do have these two nice ovens in there, but, um, yeah, that, that was, uh, like, I want to, I, I really wanted to make it work, but you know, the truck is its own thing. I think someone could really make a, a good living out of, if they really put their mind to it and they understood how that business works. It's 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 ready for the taking, and you can get it for fifty cents on the dollar right now. <laughs> See, I'm imagining like a mystery machine from Scooby. Yeah, turned like taco truck. Oh, dude, something like that. Dude, I mean, you uh, put put your mind to it. You, you, uh, there's somebody out there that's gonna buy it and make it. Uh, we actually have two or three interested buyers, but you know, do your thing with the truck, and and uh, it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be up for sale, and and I don't think there's any. I don't think we're into the mobile business of food delivery anymore. It's all brick and mortar. We're we're looking for two more stores. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But it was fun while it lasted. I remember the first time we we brought the truck out to a, an event. Uh, it was the very first one, and I'm 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 dry, and so it's it's a trailer that you you have a Ford two F two fifty, yeah, and you pull the trailer. It's really hard to drive because. And you have back it into the space. I'm like, I've never done this before. You know, jackknife everywhere. I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? And then we go to open the, the door to like set up service and a five gallon uh, gigantic, t- uh, you know, plastic container of, of sauce dumped onto the ground. It looked like a murder scene. I was like, and that's the beginning of us trying to get ready. I'm like, oh my God, first of all, we don't have any sauce. So someone had to go back to the store. Just those are the kind of things you have to do. Like you said, yeah, it's just constant oh my god moments you know <laughs> yes holy cow yeah this is uh for whatever totally unrelated yeah i worked at the irvine improv comedy club for oh, like yeah. 10 years um yeah. awesome job but we had this trash can that we would dump all the drinks in you know the show's end so we yeah. had all the tables dump all the drinks in one trash can and you right take this big thing out we got a big stink and you're talking about big things of sauce earlier that night like right towards the end of the shift, I spilled this whole thing ranch, went down my shirt, <laughs> into my pants. I mean, it was a nightmare, Ugh. you know? And then I went to take that trash can out oh, and it hit like a little step thing. So I tried to get in front of it to pick it back up. Whole thing head no toe covered in people's- oh, that's disgusting. Yeah. Yep. I was like, Big I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love that Irvine Improv. My wife and I go there occasionally and see comedy, but I never, I never, uh, maybe I saw you there. I probably did. I mean, you probably passed. I was there a long time. Yeah. I grew up in that place. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, good living over at the Spectrum. Yeah. All right, guys. All right. Well, uh, I yeah. think that's a wrap. Stan Frazier, thanks so much for coming on, thanks man. Thanks for having me, guys. Awesome I, I, and by the way, uh, when we get our next, uh, you know, you know, uh, Spanish or Mexican style pizza with either the Al Pastor or the Birria, you know, we'll, we'll come back and and we'll we'll let you guys taste that. Yeah, one. and we'll chat some more about. Maybe we'll have store number four open by then. Who knows? You know. And there'll be a new truck hopefully rolling around doing something. I That's right. <laughs> so, yeah. Rebrand it, please. I mean, we just want some to go to a good home. So, right. Yep. You guys are going to have a lot of eating to do. So, finish yep. up these pies, guys, and then open up that, uh, that what is that, Herodura tequila over there and get to work. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's <laughs> for our research and development. Yeah.
Um, all right, guys. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Happy Taco Tuesday. Real quick, I hear we have a fan, Sophie. Appreciate you. All right, guys. All right. Love Cheers. Have a good one. I love it. Thank you to Stan for taking the time to come out. Thank you to everybody who has been supporting and understanding of why I needed to take that quick little couple week break to get some things set up on the back end. We are back. It is fully back. The website is back. The merch is back. The pass is coming back to Patreon. There is a ton of stuff in the works. I needed this month to really get some stuff under my feet. I thank you for the understanding. Thank you to the Taco Tuesday team for letting me use this audio. Again, like I said, a little bit different on the first start, but once you guys heard it, it's basically your Best Seats podcast, and what a great one it was. Thank you to the advertising partners. Thank you to everybody who does listen on free feeds. You help out a lot as well, but obviously to everybody who supports each and every month on Patreon, thank you from the the bottom of my heart you make this possible and i love you for it damn it's good to be back and i'll see you on the next episode the best seats podcast is an original production of the best seats it is written edited produced and owned by myself Crawford mccarthy founder and principal of the best seats it's based in orange county california it is subsidized through generous monthly donations at patreon.com forward slash the best seats the following are the names of those who subscribed at the highest monthly tier aka norm status and allow me to continue producing this show each and every month. As a thank you for their continued support, here are the names. Serena Warino, George Pavlov, Eric Lutz, Paige Reardon, Loco Lipo, Tim Falk, Burrito No Rito, Sasha Lyons, Subtle Bubbles, Jay Baker, Tim Swine, Burger Master, It Ain't Easy Being Greasy, Boyga Kang. Thank you for your support.